0: Listen up this song
1: Again, everybody. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast, coming to you as always from the Lou fuse Automotive Group Studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner, Brandon mcnamee What's happening, brother?
0: Good to see you. Yeah, (laughs) good to be seen. (laughs) Good to be seen. How are you today? Good, man. Great. Great. It's weather's getting a. It's a better day for weather. Better day for weather. You got a big night tonight. Yeah, we're going to the Morgan Wallen concert with the family.
1: That's going to be an outstanding evening. It's going to be crowded. Very popular. Morgan wow. uh, Wallen, this guy. He's mm-hmm. taken over the, the world musically. Yeah. we got a very special guest today. We have the Managing Director of Blue Hope Advisory and the Executive Chairman of the Gracia Foundation. My good friend Lockett Stewart is joining us. Lockett, how are you today, man?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah, man, we're excited to have you. You're doing some incredible things in your community and communities all over the country. You're you're working with veterans. You're doing things to improve the lives of veterans and And let's let's start with that. You know, I was telling Brandon and our producer Michael Wilkerson a little bit before we had you on today about your work using scuba diving as a tool to help veterans uh, better their mental health and their wellness. Tell our listeners a little bit about that program and how long you've been doing it and where you go to do it and just all the details involved with it.
2: The program itself came from a lot of research that we've done. And my background as a scientist, understanding why it's so difficult for them to come home sometimes. To say that bothered me is an understatement. I don't know how to to articulate that anymore. But I kept running into these men and, and women who... They would come back from great service. You know, here we just came past 4th of July and they just couldn't come home. What we know about the water and the reason I chose diving is I've got some experience there, but two, what it does to you, it's not meant to scare anybody. It's not meant to be a fear tactic. None of that silliness. These are men and women who have been beyond that sort of thing, but it's meant to be kind of a medium or contextual shift that we know changes the constellation of neural peptides and neurotransmitters in the brain how's that for really being a nerd, but, (laughs) but but it does. And it gives us a window to work with them where they're more, their mood, their affect is better. They're calmer. They had this a small sustained window of more access to their brain. And so we get them in this position and, and we tell them there's no manipulation. There's no silliness. There's nothing. We just go out and have a great time. But what we find is they talk more, they open more, they're more open to a trust or a bonding situation because of oxytocin, which is one of the chemicals that helps you bond. All those are formed, and we take them someplace that they deserve to have some fun. There's a lot of laughter, a little bit of tears at times, a lot of high fives and bumps and everything else, but we walk them through a process that we've developed that helps them to recenter their life so that they're not living life like an accident, but rather they're living it and doing the things for a reason, and they're doing things on purpose, and that's been a long time, so they recreate a mission in their life. And we've been doing our pilots and a few now that we've been funding ourselves. We don't want them to pay for anything. They've already paid enough. And so they go there and then we'll dive in the mornings and then we'll work. Oh, gosh, sometimes so late at night, two, three, four in the morning. But they go through this process where they recenter their life and then they also work on engagement. What stops them? What are their blind spots? What are their influences that keep them from coming home, keep them from engaging with their wife, their children, their church, their community, themselves more importantly. And if you hear passions, because of all the clients that we work through, Gracia, this is by far the most rewarding. And I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings or demean their their process. But when you see, and this happens every time, these men get up and we take their phones away, just you know, for noise and d- distraction. And I mean, they're not like lost or anything, but they're in a basket usually. And they get up and they they stop everything. And they go, I got to make a call. And they call home to their wife. They call home to their kids. They call home to their parents. They call, sometimes their CEO, they call whoever's closest and say, man, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. And I know how to do it now. So they create this path literally when they leave. And we continue with them mentoring and counseling them to where they have this path that that it sounds very archaic of kind of an action plan, but things they got to do. Some of them are the soft things inside of them. They got to work on some of the hard things. And some of them are as simple as building a new resume to build, to to talk to people with them. But it's amazing. And these are great people. These are absolutely men and women who are built to lead. Just they've been taught how to be a driver or a manager. And now they're ready to unleash that leadership, mainly their self-leadership. So that's where the water comes in, the scuba diving. It's a lot of fun. We howl and we laugh and we, you know, like I said, some crime, but, it just—it's one of the greatest experiences I get to share in my life with
0: them. lucky if you don't mind, but sure. When how so for some of our listeners that might not know the beginning of this, where how does this come about? How do you get in touch with these people? What like are they coming from overseas? Coming back when you say come back home, you mean back? You mean back to their homes, obviously, but also back back to just here, back to America. Back to, to
2: here, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of veterans come home and they have adjustment disorder. I'm showing sure a little bit, they'll call it syndrome or whatever, but mm-hmm. they have a hard time adjusting. They see things that we don't ever see, thank goodness. Right. And so they walk into a restaurant, a bar, they see some of the stupid hostility around right now. And I say that literally with harsh meaning. And they go, what are you guys talking about? I'm over there fighting for your freedom and you're taking advantage. And they can't make right. that switch mm-hmm. that, that says, okay, hang on guys. It's just temporary stupidity on somebody's part. It's this or that. Instead, they can't come home. Got it. Basically, they can't come home. We get them anywhere from one to four years has been our range. We have not targeted purposely because we've got so many coming at us and we're glad to. That's one of the things we try to raise money for gracious so fast is bringing them home because we also can't do this in big groups. I can't bring a hundred. Sure. It, it demands some intimacy. It demands trust. And so we end up forming this team with them because we understand go work with corporate, how to really form a team, not go do team work. That's different. Right. We could all three of go do teamwork and look like the greatest team in the world. But the second we walk out of the locker room. You know, right. Who's that Michael guy? What, who do you think he was getting up, teeing up like that? Sure. You know, he embarrassed me because he drove it right down the center long, mm-hmm. and long. I sputtered to the left. I don't even know if that's a hook or a slice or whatever. You tell him not a golfer, <laughs> um, but that's, we get them by them coming to us.
0: So they're already home in some cases. They're, they're physically done.
2: with. Home. Yeah. Physically, physically home. home. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. We're trying to right now get a, and, and I say, we're trying, we're working out with a, a guy that I met at the Georgia aquarium that, Handled different injuries to be able to get them on water you have to be certified sp- specifically for that and i'm not i mean we're all u- uber safe and we have all kinds of people with us and all this stuff but to handle somebody who's got prosthetics or or other things we need to have and that's what we're working on now because they deserve it too and you can do that but most of them it's you know it's just getting them home sure and they come home and they're not this you know the wives tell me I get calls from wives all the time, which is is intimidating, kind of to be honest. Here I'm supposed to be this doc and all this stuff. And you can get easily overwhelmed and intimidated by them saying he is so far from reality. Well, is he having you know any you know post-stress? No, he just he's not engaging. He's totally not here. He goes to his job, goes has a beer, comes home, not here. He's looking for a mission. And just giving him a toy or this or that or a little temporary thing isn't enough. You've got to look into the past. You've got to walk through, find a center for them to aim at and to guard. And so we've got this process that we spent years and years in researching and defining that allows them to recalibrate who they are. We're not going to get rid of the past. Can't, right? We've all got it. Right. How heavy you lean into it is, is big. You know, we, we don't want to get stuck in it. We want to move forward. And that's where our role is, is sometimes just literally calling them out to say, you're stuck, brother. Let me help you up. And we physically even do things that help them, that they catch on to. When we're on the dive boat, after the first session, especially, I'm pretty clued in to where some of their influences are, should we say, their, their constraints. And so I can physically be there for them diving, that kind of bring them so that they connect. I will reach down and pull them up on the ladder. I will you know, sit at a safety stop and usually I have a little slate. And I'll write him some stupid note, you know, or something or just all kinds of goofy things. But we're connecting and we understand how to do that. I say, way it's me and my staff that we will connect in funny ways. But it's constantly knowing how to do that to build that trust. Once we get that. And and it's not that they're coming in. I I don't want to make them sound like, oh, they don't trust anybody. They can't. Some of these guys, they can't. You're in a different world than them. And so once we build that trust, then it's cool. You're going to be up a long time for those days, which is awesome, by the
1: way. Oh, I'm sure it is. Laka. do us a favor, if you would, tell us a little bit about the sequence of events. Like, do you all meet in one city, and then you travel together to the area where you're going to do your diving? Or do you meet in the area where you're going to do the diving? And do you guys dive in the morning and then have lunch and dive in the afternoon or dive in the evening? Like, what? How, how does it all like, what does it look like from uh, somebody oh, on the outside looking at?
2: It's not really un- any different than we do with a corporate group. They're, they're, chief executive officers, et cetera. We're not always able to get to their town or there's multiple people coming in. The last trip, there was guys coming from Dallas, from California, from Atlanta, and I happened to be on the plane with them, which was not planned. It was just, here's where we need you to be there. And we've got people, if they need help, they can. But logistics-wise, we just can't. You know, we're taking commercial flights down. We'll be at the airport. I found all these guys in customs because the planes arrived within three minutes of each other, just... Did we kind of plan it? Yeah, we do. We have a driver that picks us up. So we're, our focus is, is on them. That's the, the, the theme. Our focus is 100% on them. And so our first part has been before we get them. If we don't have them in person, we have them on a Zoom. And we're doing a, basically a discovery and a little bit of diagnostics. The diagnostics is not clinical. We do certain batteries, though. If there is some clinical things that I'm picking up because of my training or that they'll tell me, that's great. We, we take it. We want to be considerate of it and accommodate. But that's done before. And we've even probably had a conversation by then, so they're comfortable with me. I mean, reality is that I'm a stranger. And so at that point, we're trying to exhibit that trustworthiness. You know, we have to be trustworthy first with them. And so we keep a lot of secrets. There is a saying that, that I will tell everybody at the beginning, if I see something that you will, will harm you or others, I'm going to be noisy in the right way. You know, and if you hate me, I hope it's a very long hate, I meaning you'll have a long, wonderful life because I did what was right. Absolutely, and that's never come up. That, that, you know, thank goodness that's we have had some moments, but but it's never come up like that. And then, so then we fly out. Of course, I'm sending emails that are kind of teasing, fun. Get fired up. Get you know this or that. Again, we're not trying to go out and go through buds or any of that. This isn't that. This is going out to to one. Love them home from a man-to-man situation. And they're used to having that kind of that work. We've developed a mission temporarily for them on this. So they hit the ground. If it's lunchtime, we go to lunch. Luggage is taken care of. All that stuff's taken care of. We'll end up in condos and stuff. And everybody's kind of getting excited. We'll have the dive crew come in usually and give them a little brief. I'll give them one and we'll get started that night. We've had everything for dinners planned out. You got to remember, this is fun too. You know, this is the guys that they kind of let the veil open. And so we're going to take advantage in a good way and show them respect and make them belong. You know, so they get that feeling. They look around. I remember at dinners, they look around and they they're like, I think I'm comfortable. I mean, it's literally that they have to almost come to that realization of God, this guy just likes me who I am. Wow. You know, and, and a lot of times they'll go, well, you don't know me. Yeah, I really do. I know you more than you think you do. You know, I do. And and, and so, but by the fact that we show them that respect and that love and that kind of strength. And so next morning I'm usually getting everybody up, making sure, you know, knocking on doors or whatever, making sure gear's laid out. I've laid it out for them. We go to the dive boats, you know, we're usually picked up and all that stuff. The dive crews that we choose, unbelievable. Whether they're Belizean guys or Comanians or, the Hondurans, they're all so unbelievable and they're very well aware and respectful. So they're kind of falling in and they're having fun. And and you'll see people start talking to these guys who they've never met. But we've all been in that position on an airplane where you tell a stranger something and you go, why would I ever share that? But they're kind of safe. Who are they gonna go tell? They live in Honduras. You know, they, they, they're not gonna tell anybody and, and they don't really judge. So it's really cool there everybody's geared up. We fall in the water. They've already been trained now. Most of these guys already know how to dive, but we get them trained. If not follow the water, I'm already in there. We have a ball. There's anywhere from thousands and thousands of fish and sharks and eels and turtles and stingrays and just incredible stuff that blow your mind. And then they come up and we have what's called a dive interval. We dive twice every time we go down. And we know that by that effect that the brain is under now, that they'll start talking. And so we're trying to listen, I call it deftly, you know, with a, 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 a selective ear, to really listen to what what Brandon may be saying, not just that he's chirping, because you could have been the quietest guy in the world, and suddenly you're talking. Yeah. And it's just the way that this process works. And so we're listening and gathering, not commenting a ton, you know. I mean, we've had food fights on the boat. We've had see who can do flips and gainers off the second part of the boat. I mean, we get silly and goofy and we encourage that bunch of grown men and me being the old man of the crew. You know, imagine me trying to do some kind of goofy flips into the ocean off the second you know, tier. It's ugly. It's really <laughs> ugly. Um, I'm doing cannonballs without meaning to. But and then we go for the second dive. We come back and we go to lunch and it starts from there. And we work all afternoon through the process, take a break for dinner, work till till we just can't keep our eyes open. Everybody gets so energized. And I'm not very good at this because I get energized and I want to keep going, but I have to be a little bit of the mother hen and say, "Hold it! It's ten o'clock. It's eleven o'clock. It's twelve o'clock. We got a seven o'clock or six thirty bell to get up."
0: Be yeah, we need to go to straight.
2: bed. Go to bed. But, <laughs> right. but everybody is at that point, starting to kind of fall into this. I'm gonna give you probational, provisional trust, and so the, in the process, we take through, avoid some of the filters. We know how to get past the things that all of us, if we all three got in a room, we'd have certain filters to say, well, I don't want to make, you know, Brandon and Michael think I'm the idiot that I am. I'll, so I am gonna say something impressive. Heck, I'll just make up a word. They won't know, you know, I mean, because <laughs> I'm a doctor. I can make words up, yeah. you know. And so we have these filters. And so we're getting past those. And so we do that for three days. And each time we're successively getting deeper into the things that impair them from becoming who they want to be, not who they were. They can't be that anymore, who they want to be. So they now have, and when I say center, it's a target of sorts of values of guiding principles of reasons they want to do things. Why do you want to go back and love your wife? She doesn't know what you went through. She doesn't know how to even relate to you. And, and so how do you, you have to reform that? And yeah. so there's, there's a lot of love letters written. There's a lot of phone calls. That's when they'll get up. And go, I got to call my wife.
0: I bet they come to you with a little bit of resentment towards their spouse for not getting it. Not understanding them probably
2: you know they they do it's I don't know and resentment's not a bad word, but I don't know if it's more they don't know how to anymore because it's it's we've gone to an experience that's been so life-altering that now to come home and that's part of that adjustment you you can't relate to them and so that's right. a large part of that sharing that bonds you you know hundred uh, percent yeah you two in that studio have shared things that now, you go home to your 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 girlfriends or your wives or your other friends and uh, you really don't get it. And you're not meaning to be rude or exclusive. It's just, you don't know how to make that adjustment over. And so that's part of what their action plans become. And then for three months after that, we continue to follow them, have weekly meetings. A lot of times I've got one this afternoon with a wife on it. I don't know what I'm going to do or what she wants. to do. I mean, I'm nervous, you know? Hmm. So In a good way, but, um, you know, how cool is that? She's she's diving in.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, that's totally awesome. Lockett, in your time doing this work, are there a couple of specific stories that jump out in your mind where you've seen significant improvement or significant change with these guys or, or ladies that come back and they they aren't handling life after being overseas very well. And, and what kind of changes have you seen with your own two eyes that made you go, wow, this is a significant difference. And this is the right kind of thing that we need to be doing for these people.
2: Well, let's talk a couple changes then let's talk physiological. So when they all get off the airplane, even though they've met me and you know, I'm not a six foot five giant guy or anything. I'm, I'm, you know, an old guy. And, and and so hopefully I'm, um, you know, somewhat of approachable. They, they see us and, you know, we'll have our little jersey on. We always try to wear our shirts to identify, hey, this is me in the airport. Cause sometimes you're in a kind of a, an alleyway, so to speak, coming out of luggage or, or customs or whatever. And they, they will, you can tell that physiologically their, their stress arousal is up. So their heart beating a little faster. They aren't thinking as clear. They're very aroused in the sense of, they they're very focused on what could hurt me, what could not. And it's not really paranoia. It's just, I'm in a new space. I'm going to be hyper vigilant to anything that could be harmful or stressful or whatever. And so we see that immediately when we'll walk up and I'm not a hugger guy, you can ask anybody that grew up with me, but we'll go up and hug them. And it's funny. It's, 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 I get it when they're just stiff boards because I'm usually that way. But, or we'll, we'll, you know, we like to shake hands instead of fist bump because there's something more intimate. And I know that sounds weird between two, but there is. And so we will grab them by the elbow. We will pick their luggage up and they're very uncomfortable with that. Extremely uncomfortable, especially with me. I mean, I'm not feeble. I work out all the time and, and, uh, uh, but they see an old guy. They're just, they can't stand it. I mean, it's almost a fight right there in the the terminal who gets the luggage. Really? we, We see that. And then. As we go, even during the next three days, but then really the next three months, we see how they handle things, how they manage their internal narrative. That changes enormously. I can't ever come home. I can't. I won't. I shouldn't. I whatever to, hey, I know how to work on this. I can identify this. I can master this. And then they get on the phone with me and go, I got this anxiety. And it may be something as simple as how to bring that down. But we see those Mental changes later. We see them start in the three days. The physiological change we see fast because they calm down. They laugh. By lunch, they're laughing at me, going, Don't do that. Don- you made me really nervous. Don't grab my luggage. Of course, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab their diving gear <laughs> and help set them up. Mm-hmm. You know, you just told me exactly what my next move is.
1: How do you help them bring that anxiety down like you just mentioned?
2: So sometimes it's as simple as progressive muscle relaxation. Sometimes it's a fixed point, a cue. We've got a pitcher in the MLB who, you know, he gets up there and he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. And he goes into every stadium and picks a point. And he knows that he'll stare at it. And he'll basically put a, a, a cue that says, I don't need to hear anybody. I don't need to be nervous by anything. This is just who I am. And we frame that. We reframe it with them and kind of go through. So they kind of have a script at that point. And they're different for each people. But in this pitcher's mind, he looks at it he walks through and he goes back to when he was pitching in his Sandlot days. Now, I can't imagine this guy who throws high 90s regularly can still have a, have a movement ball, which is, you know, when you're throwing fast and a movement is two different kind of functions. He can do it. Can you imagine as a kid facing that thing, you know, that monster on the mound? And he's probably thrown that fast half his life, but he can go there and he just, you see him drop his head and he goes back. In fact, with the, the new rule about having to pitch fast, yeah, we got on a Zoom call, believe it or not, and we pretended we were on the mound. How weird is that? You know, we're both standing in our respective offices pretending we're on the mound or like we're, we're by each other, but he had to shorten it. But he sets it up. Well, we helped them do the same thing. And then we usually will talk to their spouse or somebody around them and say, here's a great way to say, here's what will calm me down. And sometimes it's not an arresting grab. Like I can grab you by the wrist and control you, you know, kind of arrest you if I know what I'm doing. And, but it can be a gentle one or it's a placement of a hand on the back. It's, it's, it's just an elbow touch. It's, you know, I mean, just kind of a tap with the elbow. It's, something that a friend or their wife can t- do them because a lot of times it'll be in social settings. They're not comfortable in social settings sometimes. And, and I know that feeling and I'm not. And, and and so if you get them where they're not in control of speaking or doing something or around an intimate group, group of friends, then their arousal goes up and knowing physiologically now what that does. And they this. We we teach them and then how to bring this down. So sometimes it's a start in the meditation. Sometimes it's, It's relaxation techniques. Sometimes it is a cue to arrest it. Depending on where they are, we set them up with these.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. When you're explaining that, it makes me remember this story. Uh, There was a third baseman that played for, I think, Tampa Bay. His name was Evan Longoria. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, of course. So he had this technique where he would look at the top of the foul pole, Whether he was in the batter's box or he was, you know, warming up at third base and it would help refocus him and get him in the present moment. And And that's a little bit, I think, what you're talking about.
2: That's exactly what we're doing.
1: So basically grounding them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's got a script running at that point when he sees the cue. It flips that script that pulls him into a place that he feels comfortable. But here's the only problem there. Now, he's in a physical sport, so he can adjust to this. When you get arousal, your body responds differently with glucocorticoid steroids that come out of the adrenal glands. I don't know how about of... that for work?
0: Did, uh, did you stutter <laughs> and hiccup there? Or was that a yeah, glucoclip? Glu- glu- <laughs>
2: the funny thing is, I do stutter. And sometimes when I'm speaking about that, the audience is trying to fill the blank. <laughs> that's one that can't ever fill. That's not, um, yeah, no. But, but it's this. It, it creates this steroid that starts eating anything because you remember that's when you're you're aroused and you're in a little bit of a do I do I freeze do I run mm. do I fight what do I do and it's deciding your brain gets so ultra focused that it starts getting rid of the, the things that that you don't need to think of you know which can be all bad but if you teach them ahead of time how to control it so that that cue. He's now saying, OK, I've got 30 to 60 minutes before that stuff gets a half life, but I can take the energy and reframe it and, yeah. and use what I can till it comes down. So at the batter's box, you know, everybody thinks they're just hauling off and trying to kill it. They're not. They're like a golfer. I think you guys have a swing. You use the club, right? They use where their hands are. They use where they're going to lower the head of the bat. These guys are so sophisticated. The box now. That he can control that energy if he knows it's there. But if not, the bat head's coming around so much faster than he knew because that excess energy, and he's not paying attention. And I, the last time, it's been a long time since I saw a baseball coming at me. But those guys, it's at 100 miles an hour. I don't even know if you can read the seams. Right. I mean, they're just moving so fast. You get what I'm saying with that extra energy? And that inability to focus, you know, even though you're more your eyes are more focused, you're not going to be able to interpret that. Whereas if they're calm up there. So that's what he's doing. He's he's preloaded himself to where that script runs physiologically as well as psychologically. He's changing, which is awesome for that guy. That's and this isn't a technique we invented. It's been around. It's just not used. People don't. a, A lot of times they don't want to listen. They don't. Then they get out there and panic and they call back and they go,
1: help me. You know. So do you think that that, what you're talking about there, we're talking about Longoria looking at the foul pole, and then as you were telling that story, like it made me remember the golfer Louis Oostes, and he used to have a red dot that he would mark on his glove. Now, are these kind of things in the realm of routine? Would you put them in routine, or is this just more of a calming, focusing point? Like, like an anchor. You can do yeah.
2: both. You, you can do routine. We were, we were working with one of the developmental teams in the Olympic group, and – We were struggling with, this is back when I was in grad school, we were struggling with get on the deck and be ready. And so I I got kind of in a pissed off mood that night. I was driving around and uh, I went, of all places, to Home Depot. I don't know why. I was just walking around, you know. just That's enjoyable. Yeah. And there was duct tape. And so I bought a roll of red duct tape. No reasons it was red. Just I just grabbed it. And I taped it on the floor. And I said, before you cross this deck, you clear everything in your mind. And if you have to physically pitch it as if it's a backpack and what i had done is that that morning I call them all together. The poor coach thought I was nuts. I mean, he's like, <laughs> fine. You know, they tell me I should listen. I don't like you, but OK. Yeah. You know, and, and so I I had a backpack on. I had little weights I'd stolen from the weight room and I loaded them in and I'd say they ate wrong. I didn't sleep right. Girlfriend, boyfriends pissed at me. Parents, you know, think I should be getting this this kind of degree, all the things that they were dealing with. I, you know, Michael walked up and he's the best, you know, short stroke swimmer I've ever seen. Who am I? You know, my narrative's going. Put weights in. He said, "Now, who can swim with me? Anybody can beat me, you know, because they got this weight." And so imaginary, we, we built an imaginary backpack and they pitched it. So before they cross this line, oh. they were trapped to pitch it.
1: Okay, and, yeah, it makes and they
2: sense. They were accountable. Like if Brandon, you got on the deck, you come up and go, you know, oh, Sally Joe is just pissing me off today. She had the nerve to call me up and and ask her why I didn't ask her at homecoming or whatever. Well, I'm making stuff up, but you know, I'd go, hey, you're not in this game. Get back across the line. Right. And the coach would let him. He'd be like, man, better they fix it than me. They get back, cross the line. So then they would reestablish their cue. So it was both. My good question. It was both. We did create a routine, but sometimes, and, and then people with high anxiety also put a rubber band on yeah. a lot of times and they'll pop it. Really? You know, oh, yeah. 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 Back. So they'll pop it as well, it starts. Interesting. To okay. It's really effective. And a lot of times I'll do it when I'm speaking because I do stutter. You know, I had cancer a bunch of years ago. And good news, all got cured, but kind of the, the, I guess God's little joke on me of, okay, I'm going to cure you, but here you're going to get something <laughs> to remind you, is my stuttering came back from a kid. So I didn't stutter as an adult.
0: Well, shit, now I back. feel bad for, you know, 10 minutes ago when you said gluco a No, <laughs> no Brandon, I
2: don't laugh at it because it is. All have <laughs> audience is literally trying to, you know, play the game with me. There's all kinds of things to approach it as well. And, and so some of this... is is what's taught with the veterans but really that's a short piece you know of what we call stress arousal control and recovery it is one of the modules that they learn and go through and we we start it kind of at the not first night so that as they get nervous they're getting in the water what they don't realize is it's really not very effective at that point because you've got to practice this for your body to to adjust and say oh when i pull the rubber band it means i'm okay i can calm down but what they're doing is curing us. They're nervous. And so usually I'll, I'll, there's usually double entry or something on the boat. I'll get up and kind of butt up there and, and go fall in the water with them. You know, and, and that way, hey, I'm going to be right here at 10 feet with you. Yeah. You know, so they'll come down. They'll meet me. You know, I'll check their gear, which they're already done. The, the crew's done a great job. Send them on down. You know, but it's a friendly face. It's someone taking their picture you know i've got my goofy gopro and i'm taking pictures of them you know smile for your wife and kids that kind of thing yeah and uh, and even the guys that are seals or marine recon or any of those guys that have dove you know delta they still are goofier than anybody they're smiling you know they're high-fiving their kids you know they're just as goofy as anybody but it's that nervousness so that's how we use it in there it's real effective tools but you have to train yourself to do it
1: we have covered so much here Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. One of the reasons that we have become familiar with you and some of the work you do is because you are involved with our studio sponsor, the Lou Fuse Automotive Group. I know, I know just from talking to the Fuse Boys that you have changed the game for them and improved their business and improved the way they work together. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you do in the corporate space to help people get their best performance.
2: And I appreciate you asking. One, you know, when we get the corporate... Let me explain a little bit about Gracia. We moved all the intellectual property that we developed over the last 10 years around leadership. And I hope you don't mind me backing up. I think it'll make more sense. to Not at all. We typically in Blue Hope, which is the consulting group advisory, have been very blessed. We've never had a website. We've just been handed off to different clients and been blessed by that. We want to be quiet. We come in with a lot of horsepower, but not a lot of people. And we work beside you. So with that positioning, that trust mind, the fuses were the same way. And, and I'll kind of go into how I met them, but that we look at leadership, infrastructure, resource allocation and management. We look at systems and then culture and talent in every company helped restore what we we'll call organizational health, which is when you have a real operational vision, not something goofy, not something to put on your wall. I don't give a rat's fanny if it's on a wall. I care that you it's something that you can really things are ideal. This is what you're going to be. And you can each group can say that and then how to execute to it. And that's what we do with the fuses. Well, with that, we had a client one time that we were literally sitting on on their kind of peer. The guy was bringing four large business units together. And they were kind of fired up because we'd been going through what we'd, we'd done with the fuses called leadership operating solution, where you build all the way down to the KPI with the guy at the ground, how he accomplishes that vision. And it's a lot of work and you go through it, but they were so fired up because we'd gone into the individual piece and they're like, why aren't you doing this with other things? And I kept saying, well, embarrassingly, I don't like any of the leadership literature out there. It's all attributes. It's all skills. Hey, go get grit, Brandon. What does that <laughs> mean? And I like the grit literature. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but become more persevering. In fact, let's go carry a three hundred pound waterlogged telephone pole to make you persevere more. Oh. And by the way, we're going to put a lot of short people on yours, so it's going to really be more like eight hundred pounds on you. Yeah. You know, but persevere, okay? I want you to. And 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 so I became very frustrated with that. In the in the guy that that owned that company, he's since passed, uh, but he was just not a very nice guy. Always, he's very coarse, but he had a way of getting to you. And he loved me, so I was very lucky. And he was like, then get off your ass and go do your own research. You're a scientist, go do something about it. So I took the challenge and we spent seven years doing research, over 10,000 interviews of, of leaders. Now we called out some that you really want a leader, you just got a title, you inherited a billion dollars, you did this or that. And I'm not saying the guys that guys that inherit things don't become leaders, they can. But not a guy who's just out there. So we did this and we found certain this process, this framework that all those people did similarly. We didn't teach it to them, and some of them did it naturally, some did it and learned and put it together, but, and then we put it, and that's what we did with the fuses. So we walked in to there, and during that time, there were so many people, and the fuses were part of this because they have a big heart, if you get to know them, all the brothers do. They have a very big heart, and the sister Corinne as well does, and they really love people. Oh, they're so, great people. They they just you know they do things in their business sometimes not on a large scale but but well they do some large scale things too but they really go beyond for a customer they go beyond for friends they go beyond things because of their heart but very true we moved it over to Gracia all that IP it's now owned by Gracia so that we can then take this to other places well we did the same with them so now I'll jump back to the fuses with that material we took them through what's called a leadership operating system. And that's deciding who was going to run it, how was it going to run it, who was going to belong to it, what their leadership structure was, what the infrastructure of the company was, what the real leadership. And then started working with them is, is four brothers together who were managing it to decide not just what their roles were, but really what their roles were. Both as family, because that certainly adds a complication to it. Absolutely. You, you know, and everybody goes, oh, that's a great complication. Oh, no, it's a really hard one. You know, go to Thanksgiving when you're pissed off at each other. Right. Go to Christmas. Go to, you know, you get it.
1: Family business is tough. I don't care what anybody says.
2: It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's and so we really started there and then we worked on what we call the the executive, sorry about the big titles, executive leadership performance optimization. Basically, how do you self-lead yourself to align to what you want? What reasons? Why are you in this business? Why are you doing anything you do? Why are you in the relationship you're in? Why are you taking care or not taking care of your health. What what about you as an individual? Because we look at the holistic of the, the executive. And so they went through that. And I appreciate them giving us credit. That That's kind. We, we want to continue to feed our businesses. So please, people, if you hear this, come, you know, hire us. We'd love to do this and we can. But what they've done is they've worked their butts off and they've taken a lot of hard advice. I, I didn't start out knowing them. I knew one brother, sort of knew the other. And then I got to know the other two and it was a very intense three days. And I've been real blessed. They kind of let me on the inside. But we still, you know, talk to them. We whisper in their ear, but it's never in front of them. And it's where we need to be, beside them or behind them sometimes. And you know, understanding our process, they now really are doing it on their own. You know, we've been with them for over three years and and we talk quite often and and now they'll you know put me in different groups, but they've learned how to recenter the organization. Where are we going? And how do we line up everything that we do to get there? Not just financially, operationally, structurally, but also the people. Because what they've realized is everybody wants to contribute, right? Brandon, if you were in this and you never let Michael speak, sooner or later he'd leave.
1: Might be better that way.
2: (laughs) 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 But but there's a reason he wants to contribute because there's something – reciprocating that he wants back. So now they know how to form a team that doesn't have to be all alike. Right. As long as you two are willing to contribute to the street smart podcast, like you expect. And so you set those out and then you've identified, what are you looking for, Michael out of it when you do contribute, what do you want to get back? And and part of your job becomes Brandon to to help him get that. Even though you're two different people and for different reasons, you're doing the job you need to that's alignment. And we rarely see companies that know how to do that. And when they do, and this is what the brothers have learned to do, it gets sweet, guys. They got guys so loyal. They're celebrating 30 years on a job. I mean, come on. Who stays at a job 30 years?
1: Yeah, three (laughs) decades. It's absurd.
2: You know, so there's people that have had children. And I mean, it's, it's a family. And so they really mean it. And so I speak of the fuses. One is friends. You know, I love, I hadn't been around them in a, in a little bit just because of a gracious shift in my model, but I really love them and have a blast. And I can, we can speak truth to each other. And so, in credit to them, yes, I, I hope we have contributed, but you know what? They have worked their fannies off. They have become leaders. Most people start out managers and they work, you know, they, they call themselves leaders, but they're not. They drive results. They drive excellence, but it's all short term. And the car business is phenomenal for that because every month you close the business and reopen it. And they are now thinking long term like you wouldn't believe. And they talk in a different language now about people of who comes first, including the customer. You know, they're actually sitting there going, what's best for this customer? Right. Not what's best for us. What's best for this customer? Right. You know, when's the last time you went to a car dealership and had that one? Never
0: shit. Never. <laughs> Fucking never. You
2: must have you gotta count your fingers after you shake your hands with the guy. It's <laughs> very true.
0: Check, see if your watch is still there.
2: All my kids have bought cars from him because I trust him. I don't go buy the car, they do. They take over. You know, my daughter bought a, a Toyota forerunner, a and Nathan, you, you know, was there one of their GMs. He cut me out of the deal completely. I mean, I want him on conversation not that I was in the deal, but I want him on conversations. Next thing I know, my daughter going is telling me, yeah, the car's on its way. Once you buy it, this is the kind of people that they are all the way through that way. But it starts from the top. It starts how they take care of their family now is completely different. I've gotten to know their wives. They're awesome. You can't tell I'm a fan or anything, but I really am. <laughs> and this is what this work we do does because we focus on the people. We do all the business, too. We do the operations and the all that stuff. But the people come first.
1: Yeah. Well, that's phenomenal. Lockett, we, number one, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. And the work that you're doing with these veterans when they come home and they don't know where to turn and you're, you're giving them an outlet to reinvigorate their lives and re-identify with themselves. And that, that work alone is truly remarkable. So tip of the cap to you for, for doing all that stuff, man. That is truly awesome. And, and you're a great American for it, man.
2: Well, I appreciate it. It's such a pleasure. And sometime we'll have to get you two on one of the trips.
1: Oh, man.
2: Because uh, awesome. we do it for open groups with different businessmen. And we'd be fun to get y'all oh, man. somewhere. The thing I would ask for, help us. I've reorganized the model of my businesses. Blue Hope is now funding Gracia right now. And so I would hope that somebody, if they hear this, they would, you know, this sounds very plagiaristic, but we would love to be hired so we can fund this stuff. They just want to donate. That's great. We took it my life and on ourselves to, to start this, to make sure it works. And so we funded it this point. There's some incredible things going on, not because of us, but just, we, we just, we really need change in the communities. We need change and, you know, what's going on. As you can see, you can turn on the radio or TV and hear that, but anything y'all can do or anybody listening that we would sure appreciate the help because the demand you asked where the, the people come from, I got so much demand right now. I, I, I don't know what to do anymore.
0: Where can they donate oh, at?
2: They can, they're on the web, Gratia Foundation.
0: How do you spell that? G-r-a-
2: G-R-A-T-I-A foundation.com. And just type it in because there's a million Gratias that you'll sure. give you. There's a number there to call us and we do that privately. I would love to talk to them. You know, even if it's through work, we have a, a private equity group. Just call and say, well, what if, you know, every group we buy you came in and you aligned them with your process and by the way we you align us absolutely and who do we pay who do you want to pay because it's going to the kids it's going to the veterans it's going to they've seen us work with a bunch of gangbangers and now they're selling ice cream and they're like this is wild you know because we're a direct response we're not this big floaty organization we don't have a bunch of layers you know we just have our team and you're going to talk to one of us and we're going to be the ones on the street so if you're ever in atlanta please come by we'll drag you to some scary places that people will fall in love with you. I mean you won't want to leave. Yeah. I, I promise you. You know, it's just incredible so
1: that may be my request,
2: and I'm sorry if it sounds.
1: No, not at, you know, not at all. No, no. Know. We, we,
2: we this stuff. So
1: we, we need more people like you out in the United States doing these kind of things. No shit. There's, there's no question about that. Our veterans need as much help, and they to, to your point at the beginning of this podcast, they deserve it. They deserve the help. They do. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell you a, a short story. I know I'm killing on time. Probably I'm. No, sorry. you're good. I'm sitting in Miami from one of the trips. We driven up from from the Middle Keys. And I'm sitting in the airport and right before security, there's kind of these old chairs and we pair them up with mentors when they're on the trip. So they'll have months and months of people to dive into their lives. who have gone through this with them. So they're heading towards security. We've done our high fives and hugs and all this. And I sit down and I must have a really goofy look on my face or goofier than normal. And this old TSA guy walks by and he goes, and he was older than me a little bit. He made me feel good. He goes, son, you all right? I was like, yeah. And he goes, you don't look like you're having your best day. And, and I, I kind of laughed. And I said, no, I just let go of some great guys that we will work with. And I said, actually, I think I've got my feelings hurt. And he goes, why? And he goes, I said because they've all paired up with their mentor. They're practicing what they need to. They're, they're changed people. And they've forgotten who I am. I said, I think it's just my <laughs> ego. And he started laughing, sat down next to me. he said, and he, he slapped my knee, kind of like an old guy. When he goes, sounds like you did your job. Now get out of here.
1: There you go. Exactly yeah, right.
2: Told you to tell me, get out of here. I was like, okay, but <laughs> how cool is that? That they are now into a whole nother story for themselves. They are. Those yeah. men were already on the next chapter of that new story, thinking about wives and children and their new mentors. And there, it turned out that all those on that crew got hired by another company. I mean, how cool is that? They do deserve that because they took six, seven, eight years out of their lives.
1: Right. And you're helping them create that new chapter, which is, to me, I have a passion for the veterans as well. I mean, there's nothing more important for these people that literally risk their lives physically and mentally for everybody in the United States.
2: Absolutely. And they do deserve it, to your point. And so it's a constant reminder if my ego gets in the way, well, it's a humbling, really a humiliating moment that humbles you to go, those are the guys. Those are the gals. So, Absolutely. And we want this to get so large and we've got it. We can scale. We got it. That's what we spent our time and our money and effort. So anything y'all can do to help to get the funds, the people, the everything. God bless you. We take it.
1: Awesome. No, Well, God bless you yeah. for all this work you're doing. And, and like I said, thank you so much for your time. That's Lockett Stewart. Can check them out at the Gracia Foundation and Blue Hope Advisory. My name is Michael Wellington. From my partner Brandon McNamee. Hey. Come back and see us next time on Street Smart. Appreciate yes.